Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's 2.31 a.m. on the Upper West Side, and you're listening to Night Call. Hey everybody and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonesome nights. Switching it up. Um, I'm Molly Lambert in Los Angeles and with me in Los Angeles as always is Tess Lynch and over in not New York, North Carolina, we have... Yeah, in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's Emily Yoshida, telecommuting in to my night calls. You've been on the move. I was just going to say, I love I love the Charlotte Hornets for some reason. <laughs> really? They were a very hot basketball team because they were new, I think, you know, around the time that we were kids. And, and they had this hip, like, logo and everything, like a, a very mischievous-looking hornet. I don't know. <laughs> Those sassy hornets, always up to <laughs> no good. That was my video game basketball team for some reason. I've never been there, but loyalty, sports loyalty. It's based in nothing. It's uh, Well, all their sports teams have really nice colors, and, like, everything gets lit up really pretty and blue when they're having games here, like when they're having a Panthers game or something. That's that's the football team. So, uh, you know, it, there could be worse colors. Yeah, picking sports allegiances based on color schemes makes more sense to me than, like, 100%. picking yeah. it based on the place you live, because that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky, I think, because most of the places I've ever – had any kind of sports allegiance with the exception. I really, I can't stand the Iowa colors. Um, which what are, are black, they? Yeah. They're black and yellow. So it's like Steelers colors. Um, it's just like really, it's sort of an eyesore. But other than that, most of the sports teams anywhere I've lived, I've enjoyed. I, I like a blue colored team. I like the Seahawks colors a lot, especially, especially once they got the neon green in the mix. This is a good icebreaker for us to talk about sports logos <laughs> that sports we like. Colors. I have a lot of feelings about it. I enjoyed <laughs> the uh, Miami Dolphins, like 
Dan oh, Marino yeah. era for mm-hmm. some oh, reason. Yeah. That color scheme was I, I think I like those new wave color schemes. Tess, do you have any feelings about this at all? I mean, no. I'm a Dodger fan, as I feel like has come up on this uh, this podcast. But in general, blue, like that kind of like medium tone of blue is a turnoff for me for some reason. Dodger blue? Dodger blue. It's like I've grown fond of it because I like the Dodgers, but I don't like that blue. Molly's shirt right now is like it has more depth of You like blue. a darker blue. You like a Yankee blue. Well, no, I, I really don't like the Yankees because I grew up with Red Sox parents, so it's oh. that's sacrilege. Um, right. Growing up, um, I went to a school where our colors were maroon and gray, and we were separated into either maroon or gray teams. And when I first started school, I was like, these are awesome colors. Like, I think maroon and gray go so nicely together, and it's like <laughs> a very kind of fall festive thing. And then I ended up hating the school and hating <laughs> hating the teams, like both the, the opposite team and my team. And I was like, you can't just base it on color. The idea it's that bullshit. you can brand something with a color or like a couple of colors together yeah. is so wild. What would your color yeah. brands be, guys? I like Mascot a green. Colors. I like, yeah, a, I was gonna I say like green. green, too. I was gonna oh, say. the Night Call logo. Night Call logo. Uh, flag. Yeah, the Night Call flag. <laughs> I would suggest like a forest green and then a nice slate gray. Or is that weird? Do they play off each other kind of odd? I feel like we're going to get really quickly into some like neo-paganism because that's where we all overlap. Yeah. It's like maybe like <laughs> some oaken branches. and Yeah, uh, green and brown. Green and brown. The foresty A green palette. man coming yeah. out to say hello. That's definitely our <laughs> sigil is the green man. <laughs> Um, barely related to this, by the way, but I have to visit the corrections desk from the Night Callers group yet again. The Waffle okay. House belonging to the South and the Waffle House being an icon of a state's southernness has been proven false, you guys. There's a map. Are you kidding? There's a map with Waffle House locations, and it's like, I mean. It's going to replace our mind map with facts. Denver, Arizona, Michigan. Arizona. I know, you guys. Michigan, That's too. ridiculous. Yeah, so so we just, we stand corrected. Wait, not, so you're saying uh, Waffle House can get all the way to Arizona, but it can't, like, keep going on the Oregon Trail long <laughs> enough to get to Los Angeles where I can I mean, they it? have, like, a canners in Vegas. That doesn't make it a Vegas restaurant. But the fact that it's in Arizona. Nothing means anything that's anymore. That's very, that just, yeah, that blows the whole theory There's out of no the water. There's no such Are thing as regions. Are we an anti-globalist podcast, you guys? I think we've proven going that, in that direction. time and again. No, we want Waffle House available to all, I it think. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of you get the thing where you, where it's good. Like you get the thing that's good where it's good. Like I don't eat Mexican food if I can't have good Mexican food. I feel somewhere. like that was the most Midwestern yes. sounding you've ever been. <laughs> that sounds like the way I would be able to enjoy like whatever the Midwestern thing is that's like cereal with mashed potatoes on it. Right. <laughs> and everyone's like, this is the thing. Exactly. I've never really had a beignet before and I'm like waiting to go to New Orleans to have a beignet. Oh. You know, like you know, I'm that's true. That's the best beignet. There used to be a really good beignet truck in Los Angeles called the beignet truck. <laughs> and it, uh, compared to the rest of the beignets in L.A., it was the best beignet. It was a different kind of I beignet. I feel like Tess and I sure. have had text conversations that were just about fried dough. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, what are the, what are the best? Because I was going to say, I was like, beignets are great. But, like, yeah, the fact that you can't get them here, it doesn't, like, drive me crazy. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's other, like, fried dough things I can have here. Not good donuts, though. I have to be... A realist about the LA donut scene. Really, really overblown. Not into LA donuts what? either. Too sweet, you guys. Oh, too sweet. We too need apple sweet. cider donuts, and you have to drive really far yeah. to get. Them. Oh, you guys like those weird dry New England donuts? I love a dry donut. Like a cake <laughs> I donut. Don't think they're dry. Well, come on now. Come you on. have it with coffee. Yeah. Yo, first of all, I do not rep for Dunkin' Donuts. Um, the <laughs> thing I liked about Dunkin' Donuts on the East Coast was that it was open 24 hours, which is the number one quality any place can have to me. Yes. Um, but it's not very good. I am sorry to the Dunkin' I have hive. to say I really – I still like their coffee. I have coffee. a fondness for their it because it so makes cheap. me nostalgic, but it's like it's, it's not objectively good. Um, Krispy Kreme is good. No, like you had a bad time. I Krispy summited Krispy Kreme one day. <laughs> you summited. I was just like, I really loved Krispy Kreme for a long time, and then there was a day when I just went to the Krispy Kreme when they were making the donuts, and I sat in my car by the flickering lights of like a Best Buy, and was like, I'm just gonna eat all these donuts because they're great, and I never had another Krispy Kreme again. So I won. You smoked the whole. You smoked the whole donut. I did. 
Colorado Donuts in Eagle Rock. Okay, it is good. That's that the place good. that, the that we went. Yes. Leslie. They are great and reasonably priced, unlike some other donut establishments. Yeah, those are pretty good donuts, but they're still not as good as East Coast donuts. So. I don't know what you're talking I'm about. Sick off of those donuts. <gasps> Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Oh, yeah. But I was... have a weak constitution when it comes to donuts. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of donuts in general. I usually only go for a donut if it's like, oh, I'm partying. Like, what other crazy thing could I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why donut. beignets are so good is because beignets have a ton of powdered sugar. But because it's not in glaze form, it's probably yeah. less sugar overall. Oh, I love your logic here. Yeah, it's the diet donut. Because you shake it off diet as donut. It, it falls on the table as you eat it. Today's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Third Love. We here at Night Call know that bra shopping can be a pain in the butt. Uh, It's just so stressful sometimes to go to a store and sometimes they're out of your size and just going back and forth from the fitting room over and over again to try on bras that really most of the time don't seem like they're made for an actual woman's body can be uh, stressful to say the least. Well, Third Love has got you covered. They use millions of women's real measurements to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. Third Love carries 70 bra sizes, which is more than any other bra manufacturer in the industry. And you can take a quiz on the site to find your perfect fit. Um, I took the quiz. It asks you about, you know, lots of things you wouldn't even think about as far as bra size goes. And your order is then shipped to you and it is returnable for free. They have fit consultants that you can talk to on the phone. They really just have you covered to make sure that you can get the best fitting bra possible. So right now, night call listeners have a special offer. If you go to thirdlove.com slash call C A L L and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash call for 50% off the best fitting bra you will ever have. Try them today at thirdlove.com slash call. My favorite fried food is a churro. Emily, what were you going to say on the fried food tip? Oh, well, first of all, if you have any strong opinions, theories, um, conspiracy theories about fried food, you should give us a night call at one two four zero four six night On the fried food tip, I was just going to say that uh, I was in Key West, Florida this last week, long weekend, which is, uh, I think, uh, I think one of the, one of the stronger fried food, uh, cultures I've ever. Did you eat all of the fried, uh, things that came out of the sea? I did not. I did not have a conch fritter. That's like kind of the big local dish there. I've had a conch fritter before and I like didn't need to repeat the experience. They're so gross. I'm oh, sorry. I like. I really like clam cakes, which is basically mm. a conch fritter. Oh, I said I was going to get you to talk about clam cakes on the podcast. <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> it's our lucky day. Fried seafood fritters, another subject we all enjoy talking about, if not eating. Uh, listen, clam cakes are the best, and you dunk them in clam chowder, and it's like the salty donut from the sea. <laughs> but for some reason, conch and clam are our cousins, but they're not more closely related than that. I mean, there's like a textural difference. The, yeah, I agree with Emily, the Conqueror. You have it once and you're like, I'm good. That's fine. Yeah. But we're saying we're like pro other seafood pancakes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like seafood pancakes. I like, I mean, I'm trying not to eat like cephalopods anymore, uh, but I, I do like. Because they're like, too uh, smart. <laughs> yeah, like octopus pancakes and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah, it's yeah. good. Like 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 takoyaki like the yeah. octopus. I personally balls. don't have a taste for octopus. I you know I don't eat octopus on principle, but I will eat clams for sure. But I eat eel, which is like just as creepy. If not. no, I don't think uh, eels are as smart. <laughs> They're not. Yeah, it's true. I'm reading a book actually right now. Maybe we should have a night called book club about it because it's actually right up our alley. But it's about um, octopuses' brains, like how like their consciousness, um, and it's really creepy so far. My mom gave it to me for my birthday. Shout out to my mom. I really do like octopus. Like grilled octopus is good. But I, I don't I eat it so much that it's like a huge sacrifice for me to not eat it anymore. But yeah, I didn't actually eat that much <laughs> fried food there. I just watched a lot of people eat fried food. Um, I, I was in Key West for the Key West Film Festival, which they very kindly 
brought me down for to be a, a critic, uh, kind of curating the opening and closing films there with uh, Justin Chang of um, LA Times. And it was fun. I've never been anywhere like that before in my life. So it was like a very, I was just sort of like walking down Duval Street, which is like the main like party street. You never been to a party, a party city? I've never been to, well, I've never been to New Orleans as we established. Um, And, you know, I I guess I've been to like party cities before, but not in the South. But it's also like the Keys, which feels like this whole other situation. Somebody describes it to me as uh, libertarian New Orleans, (laughs) which kind of tracked as far as I could tell. But it is the home of the original Margaritaville. So it's got that going for it. And it is the home of, uh, was the the one time home of Ernest Hemingway. So I went to go see that asshole's house. Hey, um, hey, <laughs> how are the cats? <laughs> the cats are amazing. I mean, that's the reason to go. I highly recommend they're going polydactyls, to polydactyls, right? They're all, yeah, otherwise known as Hemingway cats. They're all, they <laughs> are all six toed, right? Yes. Oh my God, um, they're not all actually, they're not all, but uh, the majority of them are, I guess that's a dominant gene, which feels strange, but they're also, um, so he was given a polydactyl cat, um, when he was living there with his family and it was it, cause it's like a good luck thing for sailors because they're supposed to be for, for catching vermin or whatever. Yeah, on yeah. The... Ship cats. That's so ship funny. Cat, you know, there's me. a Wikipedia article about most famous ship cats because there's a bunch what? of them from like famous like British warships and stuff. Did they name them? Or yes. Is it... Oh my God. For sure they named them and they take pictures of them with little like medals and stuff and it's crazy. <laughs> That's oh. awesome. Um, it's a good Wikipedia hole. Guys, I like Hemingway. I do too. Wait, sorry. You like Hemingway? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Here's the thing about this tour. Listen, I, we've all we've all read some Hemingway in our day. Uh, the thing about the tour is that it's like not really aimed at people who have necessarily read Hemingway, but like people right. who have an idea of like who Hemingway is it a lot, was. Is it a lot of hunting trophies? It's like um, it's less hunting trophies. It's more just like, well, they definitely have some like not lawn jockeys, but that kind of thing. Oh, gross. Like these yeah. like, uh, little like uh, like porcelain sculpture type things that are, um, that are explicitly racist. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but and the tour is very much like about like like playing up the idea that he's he had these four wives and they were all fighting over him because he was such a manly man. But it also like glides over the 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 fact that he actually had like pretty great taste in women. He's sort of a um, caricature or like has gone down in history as being this total you know, machismo. He's a little baby sensitivo. He just loved the cats yeah. even more than the women. And also his mom dressed him as a girl <laughs> when he was a baby for like years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, him and also Charles Bronson. Really? Both like grew up so poor they had to wear their sister's hand-me-downs. And I think Ernest Hemingway's mom specifically was like, I'm going to make you a pretty girl baby. And there's pictures <laughs> of him as a pretty, like a little pretty baby. He had a very, cool. you know, he had good features, delicate features. So that's, yeah, he liked a, he liked a mouthy broad and... So, yeah. So do we hear on Night Call? You know what other Take movie away. enjoys a mouthy broad? You've got mail. You've got mail. Nineteen ninety-eight, guys. Let's take it back to ninety-eight. Molly, did you have you just seen this movie? Yeah, I just saw You've Got Mail for the first time, and I suggested a You've Got Mail podcast because I was like, isn't it also technically a Thanksgiving and Christmas movie? It's both. Is it span both? That's that's the way to do it, is like hit them both. Well, it's one of those ones that opens with people being like, I love fall in New York. Yes. And then five minutes later they're like, Christmas tree going up. It's, it's like, snowing. <laughs> Here we are. Is it like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's maybe? I don't even remember if it goes to New Year's. I was re-watching it before I came to the podcast, but I had to cut it off. I uh, I saw it in the theater. They get mail. They get mail. Spoiler. I, no, I've seen it. I've seen it a few <laughs> times. It's one of those weird movies for me that I genuinely loved so much. And as time goes on, I love it less. I think most people still love it as much as they did the first time. But for some reason, it, its charms have worn thin. Emily, tell us about your You've Got Mail, your first I encounter. saw it in theaters. I definitely, I, I definitely saw it in theaters, and I think I'm pretty sure I watched it 
like we rented it at some point afterwards. What is the phrase in it that she has about like, does she have a phrase about like when you meet somebody and like you click or something? I mean, that sounds like we could make up a bunch of fake Nora Ephronisms about right, like, yeah. And yeah. what's hard is that Sleepless in Seattle was like right before you well, got right, mail. And it's so it hard. Suffers and from I saw comparison. them both at the same time. Yeah. Too. Um, but yeah, I, um, I remember, I remember Fox books being the like evil behemoth. And at that time, I think it was around that time. This was like 99, 98, 98. Okay. Yeah. So my mom was working part-time at a, um, at a Barnes and Noble and like hated it. And it it was at this time, like if you can imagine a time when Barnes and Noble was seen as this evil encroaching yeah that's what the movie is about that it made <laughs> yeah. me remember uh tessa's husband also <laughs> worked amazing. at a barnes and noble he worked at a borders right okay we all know that chain bookstores were were perceived as the ultimate evil until the point when they drove out all the indie bookstores and then themselves got driven out by amazon which is the other reason that i'm remembering now is why i wanted to talk about you've got mail right yeah it's our window into amazon <laughs> this is our globalization episode apparently <laughs> Um, you've got mail. I don't know why I watched it just because I'd never seen it. And it was like on HBO. And I was like, you've got mail. What's funny is that I've seen they came together, right, which I love and which we all love like a million times. And that's a 2014 parody. It's literally like a scene for scene parody of you've got mail, which made you've got mail a lot funnier because I was (laughs) like, oh, yeah, that's where that comes from. Um, you've got mail. Has its charms, though. Another dramatic performance from Dave Chappelle, currently in A Star is Born. Which is also just so... Dave Chappelle is, like, such a funny person. I feel like the casting in this movie is just hilarious. Like, Parker Posey is really great in it. Well, because you, you know, as with any Parker Posey movie, you're like, I would like to see the movie about this character. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Kinnear? Yes, Greg Kinnear is amazing with his typewriters. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Because he's like he's like a journalist or he's writing for some paper and he's like clackety clacking on his typewriter. And he's like, oh, you and your computer. She's from the new generation of computers. And she's an Apple person. And Tom Hanks's character is is an IBM person. I didn't even pick up on that. Yes. And Apple. I forgot about that. There was like such rampant product placement in this movie. Obviously, like Starbucks is like a, a pivotal character in the movie of like Starbucks, this new thing called. Starbucks. But isn't it supposed to but be But that bad? was also like when it was a hipster thing or something or it was like an iconoclastic thing to have a Mac. I thought, yeah. but also is it supposed <laughs> to be, was Starbucks at that point? Were we supposed to acknowledge that it was like a global corporation pushing out all the neighborhood coffee shops? Because it seems weird like they just both happened. It's super weird. It's It like makes no sense with the other politics of the movie. The fact that they both are going into Starbucks and talking about how like Starbucks <laughs> defines us as people right. and I'm like, Meg, what are you doing? No, I thought they were going to have the conversation like on the Sopranos, when when Polly talks about how they stole espresso from the Italians in the mm-hmm. Starbucks and they steal all the stuff off the wall at Starbucks. Um, I thought it was going to be critical, but it is not. They're just it's like, oh, I'm a like skinny vanilla latte and you're a hazelnut macchiato kind of guy. <laughs> and like, that's what we're like. It's also really funny because there was um, an article in Wired, I think, like right around the time it came out or maybe even just prior to when the movie was released talking about how the product placement was so crazy. And I guess that Barnes and Noble, um, that the the producers had gone to Barnes and Noble and been like, hey, can we use you? Like, can we take over your location and use it for like Fox and Friends? And they were like, no. Is that what it's called? No, Fro- Fox and Sons. Fox and, Fox and Friends, Friends is a amazing. different bookstore. <laughs> That's a 2018 <laughs> bookstore that I, we don't like. Um, but AOL obviously was, you know, used in it. And Apple, IBM, like I think Apple went on the record with the Wired um with the wired writer and they were like yeah for sure like we just gave her a computer apparently meg ryan didn't have a computer until that movie what yeah in real life in real life and then 1-800 flowers had like a you've got mail bouquet it was just really interesting because like all of these companies were so prominently displayed in this movie about like how companies yeah are bad. <laughs> it's a weird it's it's a weird movie it was it's like a dot-com bubble movie and it's like the first time that any of these entities, like a one eight hundred flowers, or I don't can't remember if pets dot com shows up in it, but right. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Like, like would have a chance to be acknowledged in a movie, and it would still be kind of an oddity to be like now when movies acknowledge. I can't. I, I don't know. It's always so hackneyed now. But if it's something like Snapchat or something, it's always like 
oh wow, like they acknowledged that Snapchat was a thing or Snapchat right. played a plot point. Yeah, in I this. didn't and- even realize that there was like Apple product placement in this movie because I was just like an old timey computer. Look at these old computers. <laughs> well, it's also really funny because at that point AOL had sort of a monopoly. I mean, it had just pushed out Prodigy a few years b- uh, before, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's like AOL is this like monolith and they're like, look at how it brings people together in this yeah. old timey way with these right. letters. It's very much about like the internet brings people together. One of the things we always talk about is the idea of like brains in jars, no bodies, just brains floating around having conversations uh, that lead to love and romance and not fascism. Yeah. yeah. But now I feel like a lot of, you know, when people talk about uh, you've got mail, everyone kind of acknowledges that it's also like catfishing. You know, so there's this like nefarious. No, I mean, not really, because they both agree to be anonymous. No, somebody and they else both agree. I know also said it was catfishing. Is it catfishing once one of them, like one of them, I feel like waits way too long to tell the other one that they know who they really are. Right, Wait, right. Doesn't he find out who she is? First? Yeah, and then he waits yeah. a really long time and yeah. just kind of like fucks with her. And that part is weird. Yeah. And also yeah, you're I like, you're going to destroy her business. Like she should not fall in love with you. Yeah. And he does destroy her business, doesn't he? I I feel like I fell asleep towards the end. See, that's really the thing you didn't make it to the end either. No, the I movie. did, but I, I think mean... he does. I but it's weird because I found a Reddit thread, but a small group of people on Reddit and elsewhere were like, I remember her in the Fox and Sons bookstore at the end reading like a children's book in um, mm-hmm. a corner of the bookshop that had been dedicated to her as if it were like her own tiny bookstore. But then people were like, but it's not, I can't find it anywhere. This is what I did <laughs> I instead of finishing the movie. I reading a book to kids, though, at the end of that. Like, and I remember that, too. The Little Shop Around the Corner. Yeah, but it's like, I, but apparently people were like, but then it, it doesn't end that we way. We'll have to watch the end huh. of this movie again now to find out what happens. I think I was such a film snob in 1998 that I had probably seen The Shop Around the Corner. Yeah. But was not interested in You've Got Mail. Uh, I definitely didn't see Sleepless in Seattle until later on, but we are like a pro Nora Ephron for sure faction. Although way too generally. much singing in this movie. If I have to There's watch a lot children of singing sing with the piano, movie. I can't. There's a lot of singing in many of her movies. Mm-hmm. I think we all like heartburn probably yes. the most. Emily, you? Oh, I mean, I'm not a huge Nora Ephron fan. All right, uh, fair sorry, enough. Y'all. That's okay. <laughs> Are you a rom-com person? I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. What do you, where do you fall on Nancy Myers? I've seen a few of her movies and, you know, I don't think I have any like strong feeling one way or another. Yeah, I'm not as like, like, I feel like some people are super into like, you know, cozy white women Christmas stuff, you know, like, like I hate love actually. Yeah, I, I don't like movie. Love Actually. Oh, Tess is making a, a face. Look, it's a, I don't. I'm not admitting to Tess anything. Tess is making on this a podcast. face. Actually, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, well, it's to the point yeah. where, like, there are a lot of things that aren't Love Actually, but you know, have been art directed to look and feel like Love Actually. Well, anything and, that like purports to show people in love falling in love, but feels fake and artificial, and, is like the worst thing. I know that you love like Chunking Express, which is like. A good well, romantic I like, movie. I like everything without like <laughs> just strip away all the like conversations. And you don't want people to like... have any meet cutes. You just want them to like see each other across a room and like a beautiful and cigarette suddenly, smoke fog. Yeah, and then be smoking <laughs> very slowly about them. Yeah, like that. that I like all, that also. I never really realized how often Joni Mitchell is referenced in um, like warm holiday movies. Obviously, they like River. Yeah, and but also both sides on. now. It's like it's one of those things where it's, it's a lot of Carly Simon also in those Nora Ephron. Well, Carly Simon, she did yeah. the Heartburn soundtrack, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's a good soundtrack. But it's you know it, you can't revisit it now. It's a taste. It's a taste. Well, that's the thing. It's a bad soundtrack. But no, in 1980, fine. everybody has things that are like a like frayed sweater that you like to wear. Yeah, you know, and that are like your own comfort movies that you like to watch over and over again. I think there's like a weird pressure for everyone to have the same comfort movies sometimes. And like if you feel alienated from like you've got mail makes me feel nothing, then everyone's like you're heartless. But it's like, no, no, it's just it's just you've got mail. It's got to punch your buttons. It's got to. Yeah, it's you've got to feel it in your own way. And like some movies do that. Can (laughs) I tell you what I really like as a holiday movie that's not a holiday movie is Adam's Family Values. 
<gasps> oh my god! Because yes. of the Chippewa, the Camp Chippewa yeah, baguette, of Thanksgiving, because it has a Thanksgiving moment, but it's right. also just like a really good. Feels like it's a between seasons movie. Yeah, and it feels like warm jammies. Somebody, That's such a oh, good movie. It's supposed to take place at the end of summer, I think, or like over summer because they they send the kids. They're to at camp. summer camp, but they but do if, a Thanksgiving play. But it's fine. But also because they're the Adams family, it's never like a warm summer. You know, it's yeah. like because it's always winter or fall right. to them. Because they're beach Joan gops. Cusack is yeah. so funny. Oh. God, yeah. Joan, oh my God. Joan Cusack uh, is the best in that movie. That is a, the I Adam's Family movies are great. I think like five times in theaters. See, I might those are like, movie. these are our cozy movies are the Adam's yeah. Family movies. But it's specifically <laughs> Adam's Family Values was like a better the movie. The first one's good too, though. It's, but it's not as good. Yeah. The second one's better. Good. Yeah. But you... It's, I'm yeah, totally it's the right. ultimate, like, 90s sequel, actually. It's because we're all a bunch of Wednesdays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This podcast no, could be called... Me, that's why I saw it. This podcast is, like, three Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> I just was tweeting about this, but and this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand also with, like, 1998. But I, I'm at my mom's house in North Carolina, so, of course, I'm, like, digging through all... Of, I was trying to find my high school yearbooks. I don't know where they are, but instead I found... A 1999 issue of Premiere Magazine oh, from yeah. um, when Star Wars was about to come out, uh, episode one. Oh, the but new ones? Was... Sorry, those are like not the new ones at this point anymore <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I uh, owned a lot of magazines in that era that had like Ewan McGregor on the cover of them. Oh, yeah. No, mine has Ian McGregor on it. Um, but there's like just the cringiest letters to the editor thing because I guess they had had like like Christina Ricci had been on the cover of the last issue. Or, or are they all like, be my girlfriend? It's so gross. Be like, my goth girlfriend. Like, like men just writing in, probably like writing a postcard and putting a stamp on it to talk about how just blatant comments about her body. It's kind of incredible. It made me realize that like as much as like I'm nostalgic for a simpler time and movies and publishing and everything. It was all so bad. Yeah, there was a lot of bad stuff. And it was like 1999, supposedly the best year of film. But yeah. But guess who didn't make a lot of movies? Women. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. why like, that's why You've Got Mail is tough is because I remember seeing it and just like being this naive little like optimistic teen on a date at a movie theater seeing a heartwarming <laughs> film about AOL. And now I'm like, look. Everything was bad then, and it's bad now. <laughs> it's worse now, but it was bad then, too. Well, that's why people like those movies, because that's not what that makes them think about. The 90s right. were so long ago. The it's 90s were long ago, chilling. but people need to get over the idea that the 90s were like this progressive, amazing perfect Yeah, they time, weren't. They also weren't. Emily's right. They should have known better than to run those yeah. letters. Made me think of like all the... You know, because I was on like, of course, I was like on Ain't It Cool News and stuff. And those were all dudes like being really disgusting about women constantly. And, you know, it's uh, it was good and bad. Uh, I was also on Ain't It, Call New- Ain't It Cool News. Yeah, I think to a large extent, I always was just like, people say crazy things online, but they don't mean it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And now maybe... Because online's not real. It's just a playground <laughs> for people to be ghosties and just kind of chat with each other. Just put your thoughts out yeah. and what, your id can just live in a jar and that'll never overflow. Oh, I was just going to... Because you were talking about being like a kid going on a date for... With you got mail, but I, I was going to ask you guys if you could remember the first movie date you ever went on, what movie it was, because I feel like sometimes that can like maybe cross over with uh, your cozy movie canon. This is a good question. <laughs> I I went on. A, it was like not a double date because my friend didn't have a date, so it was like a I was on a date with also my friend there. But I don't remember what we saw because I was in such a panic. <laughs> but then after that, I saw Bullets Over Broadway was like screening at my high school and I went on a date to see that. Uh, but that maybe doesn't count. It was like at school, too, which is just speaks to like how lame yeah. I was in terms of dating. I'm like, I'll just stay at school for my date. And that's fine. <laughs> I think I went on an amorphous group date where like nobody was really paired with anybody. It was just like I a, like those. like a blob date. Yeah, it's like see what yeah. happens, guys. Um, and we saw the animal, the Rob Schneider. Movie. Oh my god! Uh, that's my story. <laughs> and this was what, like seventh grade? <laughs> no, it was like like ninth, maybe. When did the animal? It was like whatever the first year of Survivor. After that, because 
Oh, yeah. Uh, it's co-starred Colleen from Survivor. Oh, and she's fantastic. Oh, I love her. The movie is about Rob Schneider. He turns into an animal. Remember, there were all those Rob Schneider turns into something movies. Molly, is that when you drop $25 and quarters on the ground? Yes. Oh, it's my favorite thing that's ever happened is that Molly had, how much was it? Was It was literally like $25. It was literally $25 and quarters that I had in like a bucket. And she then I brought, put she in brought like a bucket a of quarters. Yeah. to bring to Westwood. To bring to her date. To see the animal. It was a group date. Okay. We were also going to go to the record store. So you were going to pay I for mainly... records with your bucket of quarters? Yes. Okay. With all the money I had. It all tracks. Why were you collecting the quarters? I think it was just like every time I got a quarter, I put it in like a bucket of quarters. <laughs> wow. All right. This could all have right. One time. One time. While I was on the phone with Tess, I made them into dominoes. Yes, she did. And then I took a picture of it, and the picture was on my wall forever. Was this before or after you dropped every single one on the floor of a movie theater in Westwood in the middle of a movie, though? Those were the same quarters, I'm saying. Then I brought them to Westwood, (laughs) dropped them on the floor, picked them all up, and then used them to buy a CD. I forget what it was. It might have been, like, The Wall. Nice. Okay. <laughs> this is such a perfect portrait. I know I'm doing a great story of sounding like a champion sex haver in this story. <laughs> hey, Molly, when did you start dating? Um, I arranged these quarters into dominoes on the and floor. And I went on a group date, and weirdly nothing happened. Date. Nothing happened because I just cared about my quarters and my Pink Floyd double album. I was so obsessed with Molly in high school. I've only gotten more obsessed with her, but when this happened, it was like the pinnacle of me being like, Molly's my soulmate. This is amazing. <laughs> um, Emily, was your Key West trip kind of like a, key, a Florida big chill for film critics? Um, a little bit. There were a lot of film critics there, and we kind of just like hung out. A lot of the stuff was stuff we'd seen before, but I had to just work so much. I didn't get to do that much. That's what it seems like film festivals always sound like fun, but then everyone's like, it's not fun because you're on deadline in a hotel lobby on a laptop for like 15 yeah. hours a day. I mean, there are worse places to just be sitting around on your computer all day. Than Margaritaville. (laughs) Margaritaville. But I was glad that, like, I was glad that David didn't come because it would just been, like, me rushing around. Even though it wasn't that busy of a film festival. But I don't know. But I did, like, rent a bike and I biked down to the southernmost point of the United States. Was this your first, like, Spring Breakers? Your first true Spring Breakers experience? I guess that is like Harmony Korine was literally there like he got some special award for being like a Florida filmmaker I love Key West I do I'm not Florida is is a mixed bag but Key West I think is I mean no you know it's definitely beautiful it's definitely like there's chickens everywhere it's amazing (laughs) there's so many chickens (laughs) chickens live too long what sorry it is true we, I mean, we've discussed this before, how, like, animals have, you know, like, Oh, right, the like, heartbeat. they get, like, the most heartbeats or something. Yeah, they get too many heartbeats. And, like, honestly, the more I, I for a time, considered getting a couple chickens because I eat a lot of eggs and I like having animals that live in my house. I was like, why not? I have a little backyard space. And then the more people yeah. I talked to, the more I was like, no, I am not down for, like, 10 years of having a chicken. <laughs> because also, a friend of mine had a bunch of chickens, and two of them were very bonded. One of them died tragically young, and then the other one wouldn't trust anyone after that and became, like, a really mean chicken. But because mm-hmm. she had, like, suffered the loss of her chicken friend, they were like, we're not going to get rid of her or eat her, or rehome her, or whatever. She's been through enough, so they just kept her around, but she's, like, just a really mean chicken, and now she's going to live to be really old. But would you have a tortoise? You, I have, and I will again. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Scentbird. I think we all really love perfume on this podcast, but uh, I, I seriously, seriously love perfume, and I've been wearing the same perfume for like about 20 years, Calca uh, Fleur, but I like to mix it up sometimes. And I'm one of those people where my skin does that weird thing to perfume where it smells really good for five minutes, but then it dries down and it smells really funky a lot of the time. So it can be hard to choose something from a tester at the store. I need to like sit with it for a while. I bought like all of these perfumes once, this whole line of perfumes. I bought like five of them and they're still sitting on my bureau because my husband said I smelled like quote unquote 
your weird friend's house. Anyway, I kept them because they're expensive, but I don't wear them. So they're just kind of taking up space. And Scentbird is the perfect solution to this problem. Scentbird is a monthly subscription service for luxury perfume. We all signed up. It was super fast and easy. And then we got to choose from 450 authentic designer brands like Prada, Gucci, and Nest. I chose a Vince Camuto, Capri, Atelier Bloom, Extraordinary Tulip, Room 1015 yesterday, and a Caswell Massey called Centuries Almond that was amazing. And it's definitely not something that I probably would have picked from a tester. It just has like a really good dry down. And after an hour, it smells even better than when you first put it on. I also really loved having a few 30-day sprays in the rotation because that's kind of long enough to wear it a few different, you know, if it's cold, if it's hot, they're going to smell different. And the atomizers are sleek and they're beautiful, so it's perfect to throw in your purse or luggage because the tops twist open so they don't leak. It's also just really nice to try scents at home without being overwhelmed by all the perfume smells at the counter. That's why we use Scentbird.com. And with this exclusive offer, you'll get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first perfume. That's SC. C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com. Use our code CALL for 50% off your first month. S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com slash call. Sign on. Smell amazing. Guys, I wanted to talk briefly because we're talking about uh, behemoths taking over the little guy. So Amazon is moving into New York. I actually read Uh two opposing views, Justin Davidson at New York Magazine and then The New Yorker had very – Justin Davidson at New York Magazine was saying, like, everyone is freaking out, but it's really not that bad. Um, I mean, he still was like, it's not great, but it's not that bad. But then The New Yorker took kind of a more dim view. What do you guys think? Oh, it's bad. It's all bad. It's bad. Um, It's bad. I mean, it's interesting because it's actually like the way that this Amazon bid works is so similar to the way that the Olympics works. It did remind me a lot of the Olympics bid. It's this thing of like, you know, it's literally it's like the monorail. It's like, you know, they come to every town and they promise all this stuff. And they're like, now have a bidding war for who gets this great thing that's going to like reinvigorate this economy that doesn't need it. Right. Um, Yeah. And then that's the thing is that it's like all these second tier American cities were like prostrating themselves at the feet of just Jeff Bezos to like get these jobs put it in in Cleveland or whatever right or like not even Cleveland just like some rust belt city that like really actually needs any kind of industry this is so like it was always going to go to a big city um and it's going to just displace people that live there already that's what's going to happen it's bad it is so much like the Olympics Hours after it was announced that the bit like it was official and that they were splitting it between uh, Washington and um, and Queens, there were like reports like in the Wall Street Journal of just like people buying condos up. Yeah. Just like side Ugh. of the scene. Yeah, I got uh, in a slight argument with a friend of the pot I won't name who was like, but it was good for Seattle. And I was like, for who? Uh, yeah, it for was who? not good for Seattle. Like people that already lived in Seattle. It was like another place for tech bros to colonize yeah i think i i would wonder what seattle's like kind of actually no i wouldn't because seattle is just like laid out in such a way that i think it's easy for it's it's downtown to stay like relatively thriving and be a place with like lots of foot traffic and a place where people like they've go also out. shown that they're not interested in like investing back into the places like that was the thing no. with seattle was right. that there was like this one percent tax or something that they wanted to have for the homeless in, in seattle and jeff bezos like refused it you know mm-hmm. refused to pay it and it was like why would you refuse it it's like the least you can do is look like you give a fuck you have so much money. We all know that you like have so much money. You don't know what to spend it on. And you're building like a murder house full of like corridors that go nowhere. Right. Because you're like, what should I even spend it on? And everybody's like, spend it on like social issues. If you if like, yeah. like nobody cares if you have money, if you're going to just I don't know. It's bad. There's just so I mean, it's it's more anecdotal the way that I because I didn't really like I didn't sound like I own property or anything in Seattle. And like, I didn't really experience all this in, in, in that way. But I just I remember feeling just this marked sense of coming back to Seattle after having like lived there as a kid and just like people were just grumpier there. And there was just like a, I don't know, it just felt like the vibe was off there. And there are a lot of good things about Seattle. Like I do think it does have like, it's one of the best cities for just like being out 
on the town in and walking around in. Like, you can do a lot of stuff I without thought, having to. I thought grumpiness was the vibe, and that's why grunge is Yeah, but there. it's like a more, it's San Francisco grumpiness. Like, I, I, every time I would go to San Francisco, I'd be so turned off by how sick up their ass people were. Like, it places. Oh, you must and, love New York then. Oh, yeah, I love New York. I, we've talked about <laughs> <laughs> But um, but the I mean there was a big homeless problem in Seattle when I was a kid and and it's still there right. it hasn't gone away despite how like rich and thriving or whatever I'm putting this in your finger quotes you can't see Seattle is like they just you know it's same as L A they just shunt the homeless people like right. further south or further Pro- up right like who is Seattle. it profitable for if it's like yeah. only profitable for the rich people that are already making money like why should anyone else care or support it we're not right. like stoked for people to like do that it's also hard when it's like it'll create all of these jobs when we know that so many of those jobs are not desirable jobs to have um right, well, and they're not gonna be hiring necessarily in queens exactly. like they're they're gonna be right next to a, a housing project and i i would love to see the numbers on how many unemployed people who live in these like housing projects that are right, like who could literally probably walk across the street and go to work right. there none of these and not are... have to take the broken subway that they won't right. fix. Right. And like none of none of these are structured as being social projects in any way. And yeah. I feel like maybe people are finally starting to reject that and to be like, oh, I can't. Well, not Colin Jost. <laughs> Sorry. I just keep like scoffing during this podcast. <laughs> um yeah, like not like smug dick bags for whom it's not going to like have any effect anyway. It's like very much the arguments I have with people about the Olympics. They're like, oh, well, I can't wait to like drive through the city with no traffic. And it's like, cool. Well, like also people are going to be arrested so that they can like sweep the streets, you know, of like yeah. encampments. They're going to like do a lot of fucked up shit and displace people. And everybody yeah. should be outraged about that happening. Yeah. It's not like Long Island City like needs... Amazon. And the New Yorker, I thought something that they pointed out, there's something very unsettling. I think they called it a game show quality of the bidding. Well, that's, again, like the Olympic bid. That's the the thing. And you know where it all comes from? It's from the World's Fair. Yes, yeah. Which also was like a traveling carnival. And like, well, there's also just the disconnect between elected officials being very enthusiastic about this. And then when there's a public outcry, it shows you, you know, how how little we're kind of understood sometimes by our representatives. I think that in L.A. that's been very, very evident, especially recently with um, Garcetti not being here very much and really failing to solve, you know, these like horrifying critical crises and focusing so much on the Olympics and so much on, you know, the kind of quote unquote bigger picture of like his own ambitions. It's tremendously unsettling. There might be benefits to Amazon coming to New York, of course, but they're so outweighed by, you know, the cost that it's like unless Amazon itself is radically restructured. Wouldn't that be nice? I think that that's like the new line is like, well, obviously Amazon is too big to ever go down. Yeah. So what if we just make it a social? No, I liked that you were like, stop using it. Like, also, I started to think a lot about the fact that it's named Amazon and be like, that's so fucked up. I never Uh really thought about it that hard before, but it's so like... Aguirre, the wrath of God. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're here to just like pillage the existing environment of like all resources and hopefully die of madness on like a ship. I remember early on when I started using Amazon, I was like, it's curious that there's no way to make this an appealing shopping experience. Like people don't really talk about it that much, but it's so unappealing. I also think it's like we all thought we wanted access to everything all the time, but that's not actually what anyone wants. I've been talking about this a lot recently. I feel like in terms of being able to like watch anything at any time, like people like it to be a little curated for them. And that's what people liked about Filmstruck so much is it's like, here's someone telling you like what to watch that actually like has an opinion and can give you good suggestions. But I also understand the necessity of a like a lot of people can't just forego Amazon. And I get that. Like there are things that I can only get on, you know, that I I need to rely on it and 
Uh, I think, and people, and you know, I don't people like with disabilities to, and stuff. That's it's, the thing is if right. you have a limited, and also no. just getting obscure things. I mean, especially like there are like medical supplies that are impossible to find, and on Amazon they're like pretty cheap. Like you know, if you have kids, there are certain things that you can only find on Amazon. I also remember my parents like just talking about Christmas shopping for me when I was a kid. And how, like, they would, you know, months in advance and it was out and oh, no, and da, da, da. And so there's, like, a certain amount of the ease being, like, a real need. And then there's the ease where it just ends up being a ton of stuff and you're part of this horrible corporation <laughs> and you feel like garbage. I mean, I think that the availability of everything is is one thing. And that's kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more of a philosophical conundrum. But I think that it's just the – it's more the working – practices that I yeah they could at least like to pay people well and and right and and the whole like they're you know they're really trying to get out completely of using um any of these career services or USPS or anything and just rely solely on their weird little like totally depressing like uber fleet of drivers to bring around packages I mean this right. is this was actually my last straw with Amazon well and they want to replace those people with robots and we all know it right well so it's like this weird holdover where it's like, oh, cool, get a job with Amazon where you can like drive your own car and pay for your own gas right. to go take packages around to people. And you won't even get to keep that job for probably more than like a year or two. Right. We'll it's have a some holdover, but in yet. some weird way, it feels like the beginning of like the factory era. It's like industrialization right. of just this idea of like giant factories full of people like working in terrible conditions that are like supposed to just be happy to have any job. And then these yeah. like robber baron rich guys wearing stupid vests and making flying cars and shit that won't even pay those people a living wage. Or... Yeah. And we have like a zillion Upton Sinclairs, you know, like reporting on this stuff. But, you know, I feel like everybody is so, so driven by convenience now that you can even read one of those things and recognize that there's bad stuff going on. And still not be incentivized enough to change your habits or anything or try to find alternatives or even just like lessen my last Amazon purchase was, was during my wedding, which is, of course, like the thing where you're trying to just go for convenience and cheapness at all costs because you have to like throw a party for people You're like give me those tiny hats <laughs> yeah well I but yeah that I, I had ordered all this like fake greenery that was you know rated well but was being you know sh you know obviously shipped from China from when it's like they all have these really apocalyptic names all these like Chinese manufactured places they're kind of like uh what's the thing where it's like the two words uh portmanteaus but yeah. they're like a few words you couldn't figure out what what the original words would have been and they were delivered to my mom's house here in Charlotte and um this woman came up and just like like she looked like she was on her way to go pick up her kids from daycare or something um like she had her kids car seat in the back like I, I, I hadn't seen one of these um delivery people before because we don't have them in New York but I was so I immediately started asking her questions and and yeah, she told me like she had to pay for her own mileage and everything and um and her own car repairs, like none of that was covered and 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 was oftentimes didn't know where to go because she's not, you know, a trained delivery person who knows the neighborhood or the city that she's working in. She's just like relying on Google Maps to figure out everything and Yeah, that sounds um, really dystopian. Yeah. It's super dystopian and I was you know, I'd read about it, but then I think to like actually talk to somebody who was doing that was, it really kind of was the last straw for me. Yeah. So once I was done with, you know, being a part of the wedding industrial complex, I, I was like, no more Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think obviously on Nightcall, we endorse no ethical consumption under capitalism, but yeah. sometimes you can't avoid it. Look, I'll be honest with you. I would have quit using Amazon except they discontinued or I can't find my dog's dog food. And <laughs> That's I'll be what honest. They're relying on if only pets.com had made it. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, mm -hmm. I should say this is not even SpawnCon because we're not running an ad for them today, but BarkBox weirdly has uh the only dog treats my dog has ever liked, which I'm really grateful for, so maybe I can like find stuff on BarkBox that she'll eat, but she has all these weird allergies. 
And she had this dog food that was called like Simple Solutions and it had like two things in it. And then the the fucking pet stores didn't carry it anymore and we were getting them to special order, but they'd only special order well, like 100 pound bags. Here's what we need Is this to fascinating? Do. No, I was, Amazon. Here's what yeah. I'm going to say <laughs> we all need to start making our own dog food. Yes. Yes. In some level, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we did know how to like do more things ourselves and weren't so reliant on having to buy everything. Well, hey, speaking of making things yourselves. Oh, yeah. A while ago, we wrapped up the saga of a friend of the podcast who had made a morally complicated Ouija board. Ouija board? Ouija board? Who knows? Spirit board, apparently. A spirit board. Is the term if it's not branded. But we have a call that might solve our woodworkers' problem, so we thought we would check in. Hey, uh, my name's Andrew. There is a traveling museum of the paranormal, and my understanding is that um, it's, a, it's a husband and wife who run it. Um, she is, I believe, a medium or some kind of psychic. Um, no, she's a witch. She is like a Wiccan witch, and he is just like, I don't know, he's her fucking husband, whatever. I think he's also like a journalist but not whatever the point is they have a traveling museum of the paranormal um and they have all kinds of haunted and cursed objects so when there is some kind of concern um people can call them uh and come by take a look figure out what the deal is so i think that if they were willing to um you know like swing by and potentially pony up a little that um, the Traveling uh, Museum of the Paranormal would be a great home uh, for the murder board. So I just wanted to uh, throw that out there uh, and also to say that every time you guys say uh, murder board, I think of the late, great NBC sitcom uh, Trial and Error, uh, which was good. And um, that's it. All right. Thanks. Bye. I haven't seen Trial and Error, but I've heard some really intense support for Trial and Error. Now I want to see Trial and Error. Yeah, it's I've a parody seen. of The Staircase. Oh, is it? And Making a Murderer. Is it? Huh. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's, it's like already gone, two though? It's sta- canceled? Two standalone seasons. The first one, I think, was John Lithgow as the accused murderer, and the second one was Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, awesome. And then they canceled it, and people were like, this is a great format. Every season is like a new murder case. Well, this is this was a great night call because now we have a potential solution. topic for the future, which is trial and error, as well as a solution <laughs> to the murder board problem. I had heard about the museum, the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal from another podcast I went on called Bizarre States. I think they had done something with them. But seems seems like a great idea. Seems like a... I think this story. is. I think it solves it. I think that's like this was all meant to be because that would be the perfect ending to this story. Yeah, yeah. This also seems like the more wholesome of the paranormal museums. I looked into some of them. There are a bunch of like that uh, Black Mirror episode, the Black Museum yeah. with the creepy yeah. artifacts. Uh, there are a bunch of museums like that. It turns out um, one of them is here. It's called the Museum of Death. And we've talked about sucks. that. Yeah, yeah, but. There's one in Las Vegas also that's like a museum of the haunted and it has apparently the world's most haunted box that <laughs> is called the Dybbuk box. Oh, yeah. There was the story that Post Malone touched it. Yes. No, I I, I got so deep and in then this got story. haunted. Yeah. Because uh, then a bunch of bad. Oh, shit. was that when was that when the plane thing happened? He had yes. like five bad things happen to him right afterwards. There was the plane, the almost plane crash. There did was he touch a, it at the museum, or did it end up in the museum it, after he? He touched, touched it at it. the museum. He like went to the museum. The guy who runs that museum is a real like mystery, the pickup artist kind of looking magician guy who's like. Well, he's Vegas. Yeah, very yeah. Vegas, and he like brought Post Malone there on a tour, and Post Malone touched it, and then he had like a almost a car accident, the plane accident. Don't touch haunted boxes. Don't touch a haunted yeah. box. Give them to the traveling museums instead. Let the professionals handle it. Donate them to an educational institution. There we go. <laughs> you guys, I think that's all we have time for today, as crazy as that is. Well, we yeah. had a lot of mail to you've get. Ex- you've got mail. Whoa, that was amazing. Thank that was you. Uncanny. Do it again. You've got mail. It's it's that little it's the nostalgia button. For that real. and the instant message sound it definitely does some weird Pavlovian thing. I, in your brain. I'm nostalgic for it on the it's AOL. There was something very good the about AOL. Waiting for the dial up. See, I can just take this on the road. This is my <laughs> this is my only talent. I'm gonna make you, you do this at the live show, and I'm gonna make you do the quarters. 
Yes. All right, you guys. <laughs> okay, if you have a question, a story, uh, some conspiracy or mystery you want to get to the bottom of, please give us a call at 24046-NIGHT. Email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And also please follow us on social media, Nightcall Podcast um, on Facebook and Instagram, Nightcall Pod on Twitter. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.